Welcome to today's episode of the Action Comedy Nerd Show podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Jaffe. I'm with my co-host, Dan Brown. Hello. Hello, Dan. Hi. We're recording this episode um, in January of 2019 on the occasion of both. Season two. Of Star Trek Discovery and the season Orville. two of the Orville are upon us. And so we were thinking it is time to bring back our friend, Mark Clark, who has written several books about Star Trek and get his take on these shows and everything else in the Star Trek universe. I plan on putting up the live long and prosper sign the entire time of this interview. So if you're at home listening to this, picture me doing this the entire time. <laughs> it gets super fucking annoying. <laughs> And if you want to see Dan do the Live Long and Prosper sign in person, where can they do that, Dan? They can see it over at ZipCon at the University of Akron, February 23rd. Uh, the Extra Comedy Nerd Show will be back there. Uh, we weren't there last year. We skipped the year. We yeah, we skipped the year. We, uh, yeah, we, we, ha uh, we had to sadly turn them down. Uh, but we were there the out. year before. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work out, but it works out this year. We're happy to be the back. The show two years ago was when we interviewed the Dancing Furries. Oh my God! Yes, and they were fantastic. Yes, they were. And there was a Dalek in our audience. That was actually the first time I learned about furries. <laughs> yes. Well, I learned about dancing furries. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right there. So. All right, so we'll see. You I at hope they are living long and prospering. The 2019 ZipCon at the University of Akron in February. And with that, cue the music. Live long and prosper. Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. Reboot the universe. Come, on. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. When you hear that music, you know it's time for the Action Comedy Nerd Show podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Uh, living long and prospering right next to me is uh, Dan Brown. Greetings, Earthlings. Uh, and sitting at the table with us is our good friend, author Mark Clark. Welcome back, Mark Clark. Happy to be here. Our pleasure, our pleasure. Mark, important question here. Are you aware that your first name and last name rhymes? You know, I, I had never noticed that. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Man, I, you didn't know you were going to get these hard-hitting questions here today, did you? So, as, as, uh, as the expert on these topics, how come the Earth never appears flat on the shows? <laughs> Because are, are they not scientifically accurate? No, I think <laughs> it's because the shows it's, are it's, it's all CGI. fiction. Fiction. That is the correct answer. We are, a flat earth we are living on a flat yeah. earth, people. Yeah. We haven't deduced yeah. that. You and Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. he's got an NBA finals ring. Yeah. And you? And what shape is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, not the not. shape of our earth. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what shape a ring is. A cyclical helix? I understand that the Flat Earth Society has members from around the globe. Yes, I, that's, <laughs> that is what I have been told. Walk right into that one, Dan Brown. Yep, I believe the Flat Earther Society is also a myth. <laughs> All right, so um, it's January 2019, and people who pay attention to these things know that both Star Trek Discovery and The Orville, um, a Star Trek-adjacent show, Ish. Ish. <laughs> both have their second seasons uh, happening this month. So uh, we thought we'd uh, bring you in, Mark, and talk about all things Star Trek. Uh, you have written two Star Trek books on the FAQ series, both for the original and the next generation. Correct. As you pointed out when we were chatting, and those books came out a few years ago, there's a whole expanse of Star Trek-related topics that you haven't had a chance to cover anywhere yet. Yeah, the books cover, the first one covers basically the creation of the original series yes. and the production of the original series and then the sort of uh, rise of, of, that, of, the, of the classic sure. Star Trek series as a big cult uh, item. 
and ends right before they begin production on the first Star Trek film. Right. And then the second book picks up with Star Trek The Motion Picture and continues through okay. basically the end of the first right. way, like through the end of, you know, the Next Generation movies right. and that original cycle of sure. series. Um, and it came out like right as uh, or around the time of the, the first of the, you know, the J.J. Right. Abrams Star Trek movies were sure. coming out. And so, so we, well, so right. since then we've had the, the, the Chris Pine, you know, right. Zachary Quinto, uh, right. Star Trek movies. And we've had these, these two series. One of the things I write about at the end of, um, of the second of these books, uh, the cleverly right. titled Star Trek FAQ 2.0, <laughs> which was not my choice for a title, but we won't go there. Um, uh, uh, but is that I always I, I felt like um, you know the movies were, were were you know were fine and all, but that that Star Trek um, to be really back needed to be on television, needed to sure. be a TV series, and so I was excited you know at first when I heard that they were doing a, a new Star Trek series. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but then of course it wound up not actually being sort of well, it's sort of on TV, but it's I mean it's not on network TV. It's sure. not even in syndication. It's on the on the CBS yeah, you was, know was app, it, was which it is a their little first CBS all access produced show or one of the first. It was I mean, one of the first. It was they, certainly they the launched the platform with the show, I believe. Yes, yeah, it was definitely intended to be a hook to right. give them a subscriber base to open with. And it worked because it suckered me into to buying the okay. app, which turns out to be not a great app. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, I will confess, even he's as throwing a, some heat here, guys. Even <laughs> as a Star Trek fan, it was, and um, I'm also a fan of the actor who plays the captain. Uh, Sonica Martin Green, or no. the no, the, the or you're talking about uh, the actual captain, uh, uh, Jason Isaacs, yes, the Captain Lorca. Yes, yes, I'm a big fan of Jason Isaacs. Do you know anything else Jason Isaacs has been in? Yes, the Harry Potter movies. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just not familiar with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. You, sure. you, he's one of those guys you would know. Yeah. If you've seen Harry Potter movies, you know him. But he's been in a lot of other stuff as well. Okay. Who was he in the Harry Potter movie? He, he was um, Draco's father. Oh, okay. Yeah, Lucius. Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He had a big wig, of course. But, yeah. But he's still got those eyes. But but at any rate, <laughs> um, I I opted not to go in because of the platform. Right. So I actually have not seen Discovery yet. Mm -hmm. And then I, I I did circle around to try and watch it. Via Amazon, mm -hmm. and you still have to either you have to join the CBS All Access or you have to pay for each individual yep. episode. So it's just I've not had a chance to see Discovery yet. Well, it turns out not to, that you haven't maybe missed uh, <laughs> a lot. Uh, I I don't want to go too hard on on Discovery because um, almost well every Star Trek series really has has taken a while to gel and and find its sure. legs. I mean the original series took. At least, I mean, it was probably the quickest starting of any of them, and it still took them kind of about ha sure. at least half a season sure. to really get into gear. You know, and some of the other series took two or three seasons to really get going. When you, um, when we were started discussing a few weeks ago about getting together, mm -hmm. I actually hopped on to Netflix and rewatched. There's only three seasons; it's not that many episodes. So I seventy-nine. All these, all seventy-nine <laughs> episodes. Yes. And uh, two things. Side note to Star Trek fans: I'm watching it. And about four episodes into it, I'm like, these special effects are better than I remember. <laughs> and they have actually gone through and yeah. digitized some yeah. of the effects. Really? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they did this, this special, uh, like, uh, 
just in uh, some areas improved uh, yeah, effects that for the when they were going to prepare it for Blu-ray and, that, and, and digital uh, streaming. And I stuff was not like aware. That's so. like, like that planet is really vivid right now. <laughs> and, uh, but the other thing I'll just say is in watching it that way, I was like sort of binge watching it and not having watched it in a while. Is the first four or five episodes are pretty rough. I wouldn't say like bad, but you as you say they hadn't gelled either. Like things are being figured out, including mm-hmm. seven, like. Three of the first five episodes are about supernatural powers, like psychic powers and mind control. Not really. But at the of, at the time, were those considered rough episodes? You know what I mean, or was it accepted by the audience back then? It's hard to say because there, you know, there wasn't a Star Trek didn't didn't pull big numbers in its early episodes, or, or really even throughout its. Uh, Original broadcast. It wasn't. I'm sorry. When did Star Trek actually come on air for the first time? Uh, it debuted in 1966. The 66. same, the, the same uh, year that I did, in fact. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Everyone at home's doing their math. That's right. Uh, so, and then what year did Star Wars come out? Then 70, 77. 77. So Star Trek, and I, I really, if you guys are going to realize something very quickly, I <laughs> don't know jack shit about Star Trek here. <laughs> but so Star Trek was the first one to, to really. Jump out at the at the public then by oh, what a decade at that uh, point. Of the two, sure. Of the two, yeah. But there were other science fiction films. Oh, sure, sure. But I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about something like, and maybe I'm just ignorant to this mm-hmm. thing here. But you know, pop culture wise, I mean, if you're talking about space shows or movies, the first two that come to everyone's heads, Star Wars, Star Trek. Right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, honestly, I think in the at the at the time they were being broadcast. Which is not to say later when, uh, like, when cause Star Trek didn't really take off in terms of public uh, perception or or anything like that until it went into syndication after it had been canceled, hmm. because uh, for various reasons that I, I talk about in in the in the, mm-hmm. in the book, uh, mm-hmm. well, it was on a, typically on in time slots where its audience, which were younger people, weren't watching TV. Like, you know, so last season it was on like Friday nights. Nobody was home <laughs> in the '60s right. if you were a young person on Friday night. So, it, but when it went into syndication, they started running it a lot of, in a lot of cases in a lot of markets. It ran opposite local news, sort of okay. earlier in the day when you know kids in that age bracket or young people in that age bracket weren't going to be sitting around watching local TV news. They'd much rather watch Star Trek, and it was on a time of day when they were home to do it. So it got great ratings, uh, and it ran in other times and other markets and things like that. But it, it really took until then to take off. While really? it was actually being broadcast, I would be willing to bet. I haven't actually done a comparative on the on the on the ratings, but I would have to believe that shows like Lost in Space and mm-hmm. you know stuff and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea probably did better than Star Wars in terms mm-hmm. of while they were actually running the shows on the. I mean, then Star Trek while it was actually uh, being yeah, broadcast. So I, was, I was about to ask that too. And then, and then in terms Lost of and, and then in terms of movies, I mean, there was the Planet of the Apes series. There were other things okay, that, yeah. that were popular in between those two, but certainly those are at this point the two kind mm-hmm. of pinnacle you know science fiction franchises right. and you know maybe you could throw a few others in there but and sure. it depends on how you, if you consider the marvel thing science fiction or not right. but i would say those are probably your, your top two at this point right. okay all right that's good to know discovery's on all access so it's mm-hmm. not reaching necessarily a wide audience right i understand because uh, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned the captain and you had said right. um, sequoia so i mispronounced her name please I thought it was Sonica, but I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. She um, plays an officer, but she's not the commander. Correct. And that's one of like the hooks on the show. Like it's a little different because it's not 
the point of view characters, not the captain. Well, that was one of the aspects when I saw the, the first few episodes. That was one of the aspects I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Was that they weren't doing a captain right. perspective. Right. And that, and they continue to to do that. Although she becomes very, very much the leader of the, you know, a leader or one of the right. primary drivers um, of all the action and things on the show, and in, in terms of even the command structure on the ship, for various reasons that I won't relate sure. to you until you get to see it, okay. because there's massive spoilers involved <laughs> in the way all this stuff plays out. But actually, as it as it went along, I actually thought. Like I said, I don't want to run the show down too much, but I, I felt like it actually uh, deteriorated as oh, opposed okay. to improved over the course of the season as they, they did various things that drove me kind of insane. Oh, you know, okay. they, they brought in, uh, you Example? know, Harry Mudd and Sarek, and, okay. and they just, and they had this, there's a number of things that don't really make sense in terms of continuity. Okay. Um, so, and, and there's technology on the show that's beyond anything we've got in Next Generation, let alone a show that's supposed to be set before the original series. Right. I wasn't really crazy about the fact that it was a prequel. Right. Um, in the first place, I don't think the, I, ca the cast is pretty uneven. I mean, Doug I, Jones is great uh, as uh, Saru, and I really like uh, Mary Wiseman, who's Tilly, but a lot of the other cast members, I don't think uh, Sonica Martin-Green is particularly sure. good. She's yeah, kind of a I hole was, in the screen, actually, most well, of the time. With, yeah, without sort of piling on, I'll yeah. say I was surprised to hear she got the part. Like when it was announced that she, I mean, sort of good for her. She's an actor. Mm -hmm. She needs to work. I'm all for all of that. But just when that mm -hmm. actor was announced in this part. Well, at the same time, you also want to enjoy the show you're watching. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> can, can she do this? Like, can she carry a show? Like, the, I was just... The, the way they do the, the way they do the Klingons is is really bizarre because they don't look anything like any Klingons we've seen before. Right. And they have said that they have these uh, elaborate facial appliances and, mm -hmm. and and teeth and things that make it difficult to like and speak clearly even right. in Klingon. And it's it's a very it's got just it's got some issues they're going to have to figure out. I, what I had originally heard and was mm -hmm. more interested in, but they wound up not doing, was there was this rumor going around that it was going to be like a sort of an American horror story kind of anthology where you get a story arc per season. And okay. It was going to be set at various points in the Star Trek timeline. Sure. And that would have been <clears throat> interesting. Um, but they didn't do that. So that apparently we're going to continue with this crew and this, this ship well. and, and see where it goes. Um, now, while, while I'm kind of disparaging the show, it does have a number of things about it that I like. There's some cast members I like. The visual effects and things are, it's got a very cinematic level okay. of, of craftsmanship to it. And it does kind of do what Star Trek set out to do, which is uh, it's very much a show that's about, you know, it's set whenever it's, I forget what year it's supposed to be set right. in, but it's set, like I said, you know, prior to the original series. But it's very much a show about, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019. Sure. And there's all kinds of things. Like uh, one of the critics, a uh, critic I read, talked about how the Harry Mudd, the version of Harry Mudd we get in this show is very much like a Trump voter. Okay. He's this everyday guy who's <laughs> right. been stepped on by Starfleet right. and the other powers that be, and he's sick of it, and and uh, it, you know wants to wants to shake things up or whatever. That's liberal you know. Hollywood for you. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's and and the, and the uh, and there's a lot a lot of the the problems are because of uh, leadership. It's a it's the show is obviously made by people who are looking around and are very concerned about the state of the world <laughs> and have and are depicting that as best they can right. in these various episodes and again I don't want to give away too much because 
because uh, you haven't seen the show. Right. But then it's, what's interesting to me is uh, Discovery is – I like things about Discovery. There are more things in Discovery that I dislike. And then on the flip side of this picture mm -hmm. we have – that also came out last year was, was the Orville, right? Right. Which yeah. is not – even though people keep wanting to call it Star Trek, it's not actually Star Trek. It is very Star Trek-y. Yes. And, um, and in certain ways it's more Star Trek – than yeah. <laughs> Discovery is. It looks more like Star right. Trek. You know, it, it's shot more like Star Trek. Um, it's very, very reminiscent yeah. of Next Generation in terms right. of its visual aesthetic and and, and uh, visual effects and things. I think it's got a better cast than Discovery. Right. Uh, I think it's generally wow. better written, more entertaining than Discovery. Mm -hmm. But it's diametrically opposed to Star Trek in in certain ways, like. To, if if uh, I mean I don't you know Discovery right. is a show that's looking around saying wow this is a really scary time right and Orville seems I don't want to I wouldn't maybe go so far as to say that it's a it's Star Trek for people who like Trump but I think okay. it's, but I think it's Star Trek for people who aren't particularly worried about the state of the world right now because um, it's people it, wanting to watch a show and just to watch a show well and who just like like for example a lot of the values that which mm. are very which I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, Roddenberry created Star Trek to kind of get his his yep. agenda, his political right. and 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 the, uh, you know agenda right. out there in, in in a certain way uh, that he could get past. Because he tried to do that on his original show, his first show, which was this uh, 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 peacetime military, military drama called yep. The Lieutenant, but couldn't get anything past the censors. And this was his way of he always compared it to Gulliver's Travels of doing political commentary but masquerading it as fantasy so right. he could get it past the censors. Um, and there's lots of things in the way the Orville operates that would be anathema to the, what um, oh, okay. what Roddenberry would want like in terms of the way they treat other cultures is very uh, other uh, very dismissive. Um, sure. they're, they're, it, everything's a fodder for uh, for some kind of cheap uh, laugh. Right. Um, one of the things in particular that, that bugged me about the about it was you've got this like for, just as, by way of an example, right. you've got uh, this this gelatinous alien character, yes. Yafit, who's voiced by Norm Macdonald, yes. who spends about half of the first season basically sexually harassing Penny Johnson, who's the ship's uh, physician, and this is just you know right. for yucks you know, and then yeah. and then as it play as events play out. Uh, right. He does the, the the alien does actually wind up having sex okay. with uh, Doctor uh, whatever her name is, Doctor yeah. Finn, yeah. and uh, that kind of behavior is right. not only acceptable but but can pay off for you in the long run. You know, well, I, have, I will just to join in a little bit at this point. Um, Dan still has no idea what we're talking about, but I have actually watched not Aliens all, having sex. but many of the episodes of the or first season of the Orville. I'm probably two or three episodes away from finishing the season. Mm -hmm. It, it is a uneven show, yes. and it is a show that I don't think knows what it is. From a person who does a comedy improv or theater improv, there's a um, just in the, that type of theater, there's a like a I want to say like a an approach, and the approach is people think that improv is comedy, and it, of course it is. However, it your opinion you, you can do <laughs> I didn't say successful comedy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> what I was going to say is you can do drama with improv, even at an improv comedy show, but, and this is the thing I'm slowly trying to say, mm -hmm. you have to earn it by being funny first. Mm -hmm. So if you have like a funny show, and then in the middle of the show have a dramatic scene, mm -hmm. the audience will be on your side. Yeah. But if you haven't been funny in the first part, 
like many improv shows you may have seen. And <laughs> then they try to get serious or didactic or political. It, it doesn't feel earned. It's like, oh, now I got to... And I feel like the Orville has that problem. It oscillates so wildly between really like sexual harassment or dick jokes or super juvenile mm -hmm. humor and like a serious tone that I... It, it hasn't earned either. Yeah. It doesn't succeed in being funny, well, but it doesn't succeed in being dramatic But isn't that like Seth MacFarlane's kind of MO, though? <coughs> I mean, it's, it's even with Family Guy. I mean, the, the guy's always relying on that kind of stuff. Well, and now he's just doing, a, he's essentially doing a live action cartoon. But Family Guy's funny. Yes, Family and, Guy and, and American and, Dad, I think. And, and Orville yeah. doesn't always even attempt to be funny. I would say most of the time it doesn't. I mean, there's, it, there's, they are, they're one-liners and, and, and they crack yeah. jokes and things like that, but the intent of the show is not to be humorous most of the time. It's trying to, as, as the season goes along, it struck yeah. me as it, as it became more of a, of a dramatic, you know, like science fiction yeah. show, mostly. Right. They just had these weird elements uh, uh, in, inserted in, in, yeah. into them for comedic purposes. And, and the thing, one, like, and some of the stuff is like, Jokes about Avis Renicar. You know, oh, I'm like, yeah. who's going to, like, this many years, it's like joking about a buggy whip company. Well, it would not really play very well these days. Nobody's going to remember that. You know, it but does seem like, putting that aside. I mean, Avis is a great example. There's an episode where they have a running joke about Avis, which we won't have to over explain. <laughs> but the, what it represents is Seth MacFarlane seems to think that an 80s pop culture reference is a joke. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. just referring to something from the 80s is a joke in Seth MacFarlane's <laughs> book. And uh, if you were to start to list the humor in that show, it would be juvenile, inappropriate behavior. <laughs> yes. People literally saying the word dick. Yes. And then pop culture references from the 80s. That's like 90% of the jokes in that show are one of those three. It's like 90% of the open mics in Lakewood, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? Uh, having, uh, having said all those bad things about Orville. Sure. There are there were more successful episodes of Orville more that I would watch sure. again and enjoy than yeah. I would in a whole season of Discovery. Yeah. There's, I might watch a couple episodes of Discovery again anytime soon. Orville but there are about there are about there are probably you know four or five at least episodes right. of the Orville I thought were really good TV, even mm -hmm. despite all these things. So it's like, and my point was not that it's a, that's a horrible show or anything, just mm -hmm. that it's it's really not the 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 the. The vibe of it, the the, right. the ethic of it, is very not Star Trek, even though it looks very Star Trek. Well, let's see. What would you say to, to this notion? And I know I've, I've interviews with the cast of, from the Orville have said this. So, just the kind of Star Trek optimism of we'll still be here in four hundred years. Oh sure, yeah. like it has sort of that. It, yeah, it definitely it's and it, and it has more upbeat kind of vibe to it than yeah, Discovery and, and than and Discovery and does, or any number of other things. Of, you know, Again, totally open to debate, but a kind of equality. Uh, you know, men and women are both commanders. Aliens serve on the bridge. Yeah, it, we, it has a sound There's of superficial no visual. Yeah, it does those yeah. things in in that way. But but if you look, but then you also have like, you know, uh, you know, Ed, you know, Captain Mercer mm -hmm. making jokes about. Like the the the, the, the oh, I forget what the alien's name is the the, the alien the the the, the, oh, the all male alien the race Bortle um, Commander Bortle I think yeah yes yeah, so <laughs> you're that's, looking at I, me like I knew Bortus 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 um, there's a race of aliens that are that are primarily all male gotcha and they mate by reproduce by laying eggs yeah how males lay eggs I don't know but uh, but there's this yeah. whole joke about 
uh, where he makes about like turning his unborn child into an omelet, you know, stuff like right. that. It's kind of like, you know, maybe yeah. not, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, like I said, just kind of dismissive, you yeah. know, of other cultures. I felt like the show really, um, besides, in my opinion, not really knowing what it is in terms of this like weird conglomeration of drama and social commentary and not effective. Sometimes I laugh, so it's not never effective, but uneven humor. The very first episode, Dan, I'm, this is not a spoiler. This is the first five minutes of the first you, episode. You can spoil for me. I'm not going to fucking yeah. watch it. Well, Dan, I have a rule on the <laughs> podcast about what I consider a spoiler, yeah. mm-hmm. and that is two weeks. Yeah, you got two weeks. If anybody, if you cared about the movie, <laughs> you're going to see it in the first two weekends. Yeah. And if you care about a TV show, you're going to either watch it or T-vote and watch it immediately. So after two weeks, all spoiler alerts are off yeah. in my book. But it's, it starts with the first scene is Ed, Seth MacFarlane's character, walks in and finds his wife with an alien. I did think it was kind of, uh, of course, juvenile, but mm-hmm. an amusing reversal because it's always Captain Kirk that's in bed with the alien. But now it's like the captain walks in and finds his wife in bed with an alien. Mm-hmm. But this, and then they do a time skip of a year later. Mm-hmm. And during that year, they quickly explain through exposition that he's divorced and he's had a rough year, including drinking and unprofessionalism and tardiness. But they're going to give him a command of a smaller ship just to give him a chance. Okay. And I honestly thought, not really knowing what was coming, Mark, mm-hmm. that his character's like need to rebuild his character was going to be what the show was about. Like I expected to see like a semi-alcoholic, disheveled, unprofessional person slowly getting their life back together. Eh, nah, not so much. Not so, yeah. <laughs> so like completely like set something up, didn't follow through, and missed the chance. Well, to had, make a had much you gotten to episode uh, to, the, to the the episode where that character re- reappears? Probably not then. Okay, uh, that, then you're, you're in for another surprise okay. when you get there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so here's something about the shows, which I read online, mm-hmm. and uh, if you have an opinion or interpretation of. Apparently, according to like aggregates like a Rotten Tomatoes, the disco- Discovery is not well-liked by fans, but scores high with critics. And the Orville scores poorly with critics, but scores much higher with fans. That does not surprise me. Okay. <laughs> what happened with Tommy Boy? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, Contributing, and I, Dan Brown. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even among, but even among this, because I know obviously know a lot of Star Trek fans, right. you know, from doing my right. books and right. various events and things, and just having friends who are, mm-hmm. you know, geeks like me. But, um, but even among the fan community, the shows really split people. There are people who, like one... Don't like the other one. Um, like there are not, there are not many people that like both though. Okay. And because if you like people don't like Discovery, yeah, but they like yeah, Orville correct. or vice versa. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, it's it's basically your your Team Marvel or Team Discovery, right. or or you don't like yeah. either one of them. I've not, I've met very few people that actually like both. <laughs> I kind of actually I do kind of like both. I think I actually like the Orville a little bit better just right. to watch. Right. I, you know, but. I, I, I hope that Discovery will be wind up being the better show eventually if it gets time to grow. Uh, but uh, Earlier today, I had a chance to speak with my friend, uh, Dan's friend, a comedian called Leslie Battle down in Columbus. She's an African-American. I was asking her about, uh, we talked about Nichelle um, Nichols. Mm-hmm. But um, the Orville came up, and she also made a comment, which I think goes to the show not having uh, like a tone, like I've not figured out what it is yet, which was they take themselves a little too seriously like, it's not like a galaxy quest, like this is a farce or this is a parody. It's done with a little more seriousness than that. A lot more. Uh, but 
for a, you know, a paramilitary organization, they have no discipline. Like they just are completely, it's like if Animal House ran a military ship, but then didn't Or if like seriously. Animal House ran the White House. Yes, but without, <laughs> but without any of the humor of Animal House. Just yeah. if this was like misbehaving children. Like people don't follow orders. They'll, people will give an order and they won't do it. There's an episode where their one lieutenant is on a planet and he does this like lewd dance in public, which is not <laughs> right. only like unprofessional, but actually jeopardizes the mission. So it's like... He does. So she was just so disappointed that the behavior of a juvenileness was counter to the militariness of the unit, yet the show itself was not a comedy enough to uh, permit that level of like undisciplined behavior. Yeah. Well, and the other th- the other thing that speaks to is go- again going back to like the original ideas that that Roddenberry had. You know, his this, and you can debate whether or not this was ever <laughs> a real thing, but he had this whole idea that that. Humanity was going to become more perfected as things went on. We would yeah. overcome our prejudices. We'd yeah. overcome greed. We'd overcome these things and become better creatures, right. more noble creatures right. <laughs> through hundreds of years. And there's absolutely none of that. If any, right. th- th- these guys are like you know middle school, uh, you know yeah. uh, whatever you know, people. I will you know. say you said you like the cast better. I, you might know this character actor. He's in a lot of stuff. I think Scott Grimes is funny. Now, he totally embodies that juvenile sense of humor. Yes. Yeah. But I still find if I'm laughing out loud while watching Norville, probably Scott Grimes is involved. Yeah, he's the funniest person <laughs> on the show. He, I like him. I like uh, Adrian uh, Palicki, uh, who was on uh, the right. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, and now she's playing okay. his uh, ex-wife. Mm. Um, and uh, Penny Johnson, I like a lot, who, of course, was on uh, Deep Space Nine. Okay. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a good... There are a number of good people on that show who I think are, are fun to watch. Since I, I mentioned uh, Leslie, I do want to say the reason I was really talking to her, uh, Dan and I in the Action Comedy Nerd Show did a show at the Michigan Comic Con in 2018. Yes, mm-hmm. we did. Uh, there was another comedy show there with people we know, and they were very nice. Did you guys rumble or anything? Uh, yeah, yeah, we had a joke off in the alley behind the uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. convention. <laughs> Be careful how you pronounce that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was. <laughs> but at any rate, Leslie was performing on the other show, and she came to our show a cosplaying Lieutenant Uhura. Mm. And Michelle Nichols was making an appearance at that con, and she met her. And so I just asked her to describe meeting her and her experience at the con. And this is what she said. So we're having our friend Mark Clark come in and talk about Star Trek today. And I really wanted to talk to a friend of mine, a, a comedian out of Columbus, the hilarious Leslie Battle. Hey, Leslie. Hey there. <laughs> I have Leslie on Skype, and we're going to talk for a few minutes about uh, Michigan Comic Con uh, last summer. Yeah. Uh, how yeah. you doing? How you doing, Leslie? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. No, excellent. Uh, are you doing anything interesting these days? Oh, well, of course. I'm still, you know, doing um, comedy because that's like kind of my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, got shows. Uh, scheduled in Louisville, in Michigan. I, sure. I, I mostly go around like the neighboring states. Yes. To Ohio. Yeah. But had a really fun trip. Um, the beginning of December, I drove oh. two thousand miles in a week for comedy, and I loved it because I'm one of those people. So. So doing different shows, like a little tour. Yes. Yes. So I went from Washington D.C. to Hampton, Virginia, to Asheville, North Carolina, to Atlanta. <laughs> And oh, then the excellent. last show in the quote-unquote tour was in Akron. So I drove in one day from Atlanta to Akron and did a show and still made it to work Monday morning. Ouch. Well done. 
Well, for those I'm crazy. For those listening at home, that's what you call a road warrior in comedy. <laughs> I have a shield and a saber, and <laughs> my breastplates are too big because they made them for a girl. Oh, <laughs> do they have little Hello Kitties on them? I have, I, I have, I have very minuscule. Um, breasts so they always like they always they always make them like you're an anime character <laughs> well t- as a gentleman i won't ask any further questions um <laughs> I, so i wanted um leslie to uh phone in we're on skype right now specifically because this last summer i uh leslie, leslie and i bumped into each other at the michigan comic-con in 2018 and it was a little bit of a funny thing dan and i were doing our and Jesse, we're doing our action comedy nerd show there. And I guess you were doing a show with DJ Dangler, a good friend of mine. He does these uh, con shows as well. And I wonder, it's it's probably only interesting to you and me, but we're the ones talking, so what the hell. Can you Absolutely. describe from your perspective bumping into me? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I kind of, I got to be honest with you. I kind of need you to refresh my memory about it because... That was also the first time that I tried cannabis. Oh, that's and right. <laughs> there, Which is yeah, completely legal was- in Michigan, by the way, if there's any police listening. The thing that was funny to me about it is uh, Dan and Jesse and I did two shows, and it was the time of our second show, and I was just out on the concourse handing out flyers, trying to you know, get people to come in, and uh, you walked up to me. You were cosplaying Lieutenant Uhura, and you clearly recognized me, but I did not recognize you right away. Okay, that was what I was trying to remember which way it happened. I remembered one of us didn't recognize the other. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I assumed that it was me. Like in this moment of this, this foggy memory that I'm trying to put right. together, I was just like, I'm kind of thinking I didn't remember who Jerry was. Oh. And, okay, so, so, you, so but I, wasn't I wearing a purple wig? Uh, you had your hair sort of back and up in a bun because that was the same day okay. you were going to meet Lieutenant Uhura, Nichelle Nichols. So you were in your cosplay for that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, I I had convinced myself that that was the night before. Right. You recognized me first, and uh-huh. you had like a minute of fun because I didn't recognize you right away. So you were like teasing that's- me a little bit, and don't you remember my naming me a little bit, which I totally deserved. That sounds like me. But, yeah, I would totally do that. <laughs> but uh, and then after we spoke and got caught up a little bit, what had happened was you did have an unfair advantage on me because DJ had told you I was there. Ah, so. that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and your cosplay was so excellent. So I was like, oh, who's this you know, person in this amazing cosplay? It was like added a layer of, conf- your disguise added a layer of confusion to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because, I mean, honestly, considering I didn't do makeup, mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, I just put on a dress. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so when we talked, and this is what I really want to hear about for a couple of minutes, you had said okay. that, you know, you were excited at the opportunity to meet and talk to Nichelle Nichols. Yes, so very much. So how so did that go? There's Well, there's so much more to her story mm-hmm. than a lot of people realize because she was actually a very, um, she was very active with, you know, civil rights. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a lot of people yeah. may or may not know that the first interracial kiss on television was the one between her and Captain Kirk mm-hmm. when they were captives. And... At any rate, I also actually became a communications officer in the National Guard before I retired. Right. And so 
there's part of me that was just kind of like, oh my gosh, if I ever get to meet anybody, I want it to be her. Because <laughs> I don't want to say she's not just an actress, but I'll just be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I said, much more to her story than just yes. her acting. The, the one really compelling story, if I have a little bit, mm-hmm. is the fact that she was going to quit after, I think, the second season. Right. And yep. uh, she was told that a fan wanted to meet her. And so she decides to meet with this person. Well, it turned out it was Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. And he basically told her, you don't get to quit. You are <laughs> showing young black girls that we don't have to be maids. Right. That's, I mean, I hear you, but you got to understand that this is so much bigger than just you. And so right. she didn't quit. Right. And so it, to me, that's just such an amazing story. And I, like I said, I just really wanted to meet her. Well, since it was a con, which, by the way, this was the first con that I've ever been to. Uh-huh. I wanted to go on for, for many, many years. And just finally was just like, you know, it's time to, to get off the fence and actually do it and, and go check it out and see if it's, you know, right. what you think it's going to be. And I absolutely had a wonderful time. Sure. But so the choice was to either get her autograph mm-hmm. or to get a photo op because both of these have feet. Right. And so I decided I would rather have the photo op because in my mind, I would have like a little bit of time with her. Right. Um, that's not how those photo ops work. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say the little bit of time. I did get a little bit of time with her, but it was literally like 15 seconds. Right. So you, you, you buy the photo op and what it is, is you buy a ticket. And then when your appointment time is, then you're in line but you and X number of people have the same appointment time. Right. And so, you know, you're in line. They kind of, you know, lead you through because she's in this back area that's kind of like, like she's seated and she right. doesn't move. Right. Right. Or whoever the, the, the person is, they're seated and they don't move. And then the people that are taking the pictures with them, you know, you go up, you take your picture and you're, you're, you're shoot on your way. Mm-hmm. And so I made it a point to tell her, well, I retired as a communications officer from the army and I just wanted to meet you because you've been like an inspiration to right. me, which is all true. <laughs> and she basically like demanded to shake my hand because I was all awkward and nervous. Right. I would love to say that I don't fangirl over people, <laughs> but when I got that ticket in my hand, it was just a feeling that I had not felt in a very, very long time. And I've had babies. Right. So <laughs> I was like, Whoa, Nelly, this is amazing. And, um, when, when, you know, she took my hand and the thing is, what's the thing right before that, um, con, the announcement was made about her, um, dementia progressing. Right. And I had already told myself when I made the, when I bought my tickets, which was like a month or two before that, you know, if I was going to go to a con, I wanted to go one where she was going to be. Because she is aging. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I hate to be morbid, but the reality of it is. Absolutely. You know, so many other people from the original cast have already passed. And I mean, she she was just the sweetest. But it's so funny because I show people that picture and they're just like, (laughs) is that your mom? (laughs) And I I just want to throttle them a little bit. You know, I mean, it's just like. I, I, I don't want to accuse you of anything right now, but on the flip side, how do you not know Nichelle Nichols? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm yes. a little bit nerdier than I want to admit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was a wonderful experience. It was definitely worth my time. 
And I mean, she was just the sweetest lady. And that's the thing. She has, mm-hmm. you know, longstanding reputation of being one of the most compassionate people, especially when it comes to these things. Because that has to be exhausting. Oh, I bet. It has to be exhausting to have these conversations with literally hundreds of people. And and she still was doing it. I, I'm not sure if she still is. Directly or indirectly, that's part of the uh, legacy of Nichelle Nichols. I just want to thank you, Leslie, for calling in and Skyping for a few minutes. I appreciate you talking about Michigan Comic Con and meeting Nichelle Nichols. Oh, it was a great day. I had a lot of fun. And thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Thank you. So thank you, Leslie, for uh, calling in earlier today. Um, Mark, uh, Leslie and I were talking about whether or not Lieutenant O'Hara was sort of a role model to some African-Americans, you know, in the, in the 60s and 70s. And I know you wrote about that a little bit in the book. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you had any, like, a perspective or about that. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely that she was. I mean, among other people, Whoopi Goldberg, who, of course, went on yes. to be Guinan, r- talked about how big an influence that was on her to see uh, a woman in uniform in a position you know treated with respect in a a position of authority on a on a on a starship like that or in a setting like that really was made her think that she was capable of doing more than all the other shows where if you if you saw a black woman she was somebody's maid right yes yeah so that was a real thing and and the other thing about nichelle nichols that a lot of people forget is that she was very involved. She was hired by NASA and was very involved in helping recruit uh, candidates for the space program because they were, at the time, right. which would have been in the 70s, 80s, early 80s, mm-hmm. the candidates they were getting were all white dudes. Right. And they wanted, they wanted to recruit all the best people regardless of what gender they were and what color they were. And right. she was their ambassador out there saying, Right. You were opening sure. the doors to you too, and it was right. she was very successful and recruited a number of people who had great careers at NASA and went into space. And Leslie mentioned the well-known anecdote about uh, Martin Luther King talking Michelle Nichols out of quitting right. Star Trek. <laughs> yep. I've heard that story before, and it is a, recounted in your book, if I recall. Yeah, it's in her autobiography. Okay, so I've, I've often wondered, like, you hear stories like that, and you go, like, how true is that? But that's actually it's, in her own autobiography. It, it, well, yeah. she said it was true. <laughs> I have no reason to believe that she would lie about it. <laughs> it certainly sounds like something that sure. could have happened, very plausibly could have I mean, happened. my autobiography, I wrote that Bob Hope talked me into singing, singing with comedy. <laughs> um, He's not here to debate I, me on it. Gonna, <laughs> if um, Dan Brown could pick Bob Hope out of a lineup, I would be impressed. I could pick Bob Hope out of a lineup. <laughs> if he had a golf club. Yep. Um, I did have a couple of um, um, Star Trek questions yeah, sure. or comments. Uh, yeah, sure. Sam and um, having a chance to talk to an expert. Mm-hmm. One thing that you, you brought up in your book, which I had never noticed as a fan, but once you explained it, it was like a slap in the face of, oh, this is like totally part of the show, how often they encountered gods mm-hmm. in the original series. Right. I don't know an exact number, but there must be like 10 or 15 different episodes <laughs> that are about them encountering gods. Yeah, Apollo, and yeah. or just or these godlike like, yeah. being, you know, yeah. like we've advanced beyond needing physical bodies, yeah. kind of thing, and that that sort of stuff. Yep. So that apparently reflected another one of Rod and Mary's interests. Right. In taking God down a peg or two, yes. whenever he could. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or the idea thereof. <laughs> That's why the show got canceled. <laughs> you don't fuck with God in our county, boy. And speaking of the movies, it actually reading that I don't know for mm-hmm. good or for ill. 
maybe reevaluate Star Trek V. Okay. Uh, which Dan, I'm sure you remember, that was the final frontier, which in which a of course in which a godlike alien calling himself God also appears as the primary nemesis. And I just remember as a fan who saw all the movies. I have a feeling like Star Trek is like reflecting on Scientology because don't <laughs> they believe that like God is out in space and he has his own planet? Like uh, it, I got I got to tell you one the the other, one of the one of the, just jumping back to no, Discovery please, momentarily, please one of the things that that came again it came me a knee jerk kind of. Ugh, bad re- response was they on Discovery. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but but the the, uh, um, the character uh, played by Sonica Martin Green, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Burnham, turns out is sort of an adoptive daughter of Sarek. He's sort of okay. like Spock's half brother. Okay. The last time we ran into Spock, a Spock having a half brother, right. it was. <laughs> It did not work out well. <laughs> yeah, it did not work out well in Star Trek V. For, yeah, for the franchise <laughs> or for the characters. Like. Right. <laughs> um, but I just imagine that um, just because, I mean, Star Trek V is, in most people's minds, the weakest of all of those Star Trek movies. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. And um, I remember seeing it, and just uh, even as a young fan uh, in the audience, just going, "This is crap. Am I, is this crappy? This is crappy." Right? <laughs> it sounds like Rocky Five. <laughs> this is like yeah, Rocky Five level crappiness. We're wow. talking. But I, I now. I love Rocky Five. By and the just way. we're being reminded of how much God talk there is in the original series. Didn't make me think that Star Trek Five was a better movie, but it made me understand how it got made. Well, I could see them reading the script and going, yeah, this is like a classic Star Trek episode. Well, it is. <laughs> but, you know, Spock's brain is also a classic Star Trek episode. <laughs> Dan, that's a famously bad episode. Gotcha. I, I, I figured that much. So if I can ask, mm-hmm. rating one, two, and three, your personal one, two, three, Star Trek, Star Wars, Lost in Space. Well... Lost in Space would be number three mm-hmm. uh, by, I mean, I, I, was, I, mean I, grew, I grew up with Lost in Space. I liked it when I was a kid. Sure. It's kind of hard to watch now. Mm-hmm. The early episodes, the, the black and white ones are, are kind of okay. And yeah. then you, it's just so goofy, yeah. you know. What about uh, the, uh, have you watched the Netflix Lost oh, in Space? Oh, I have not, you know, that's in my queue. I've not had a chance okay. to watch that I thought that it was yet. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking, was that okay. I'm looking forward to checking out, but uh, I, I have not gotten I basically enjoyed that, so if you saw it, we could probably take it apart a little bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that that is on my list of things to do now that I'm. Well, but I am writing another book, so I've got to you know. Are I'll you going to mention Space Cases, the Nickelodeon TV show from '96 to '97? In that, uh, not so much. Uh-huh. But 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 to get back to Star Trek and Star Wars, because yeah. it's it's interesting. I've written about both of those, and mm-hmm. that que- I assume that question we get asked all the time, and you're like maybe the second person that's ever asked me that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm number well, two, Bobby baby. Brown. Wow. <laughs> but I brought you here for something. <laughs> yeah, your DUI to give you a ride home. <laughs> For being uh, these great iconic science fiction franchises, mm-hmm. they're really totally different animals, and they sure, kind of yeah. and, and and I respond to them in for in different ways for different reasons. I mean, they're both the original series, and and the original Star Trek shows were things I loved when I was a kid, and I'm totally invested in mm-hmm. on an emotional level. It's like there's this this you know right. things that goes deep. In places that no no other shows really you know, maybe Colchak right. the Night Stalker right. or something something else from when I was a yeah. kid that I loved uh, you know nothing else really kind of goes there um, but I but looking at uh, sort of uh, pulling back from just the emotional attachment uh, and nostalgia aspects of it outside of the first three Star Wars movies mm-hmm. I don't 
Yeah, by the first three, I'm talking about yeah. you know Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, you know, Return of the Jedi. Um, I don't find a lot of great right. um, quality entertainment right. for me personally in some of the later films. Yeah. The more recent ones, the the, the sure. that we're getting now, the sequels right. are a bit better. Sure. But uh, certainly, prequels didn't didn't do it for me. And so I think basically, if I have to like. Pound for right. pound, like what's worse? Where am I getting more entertainment value? I actually right. think it would probably, I'd probably have to go with Star Trek. Okay. Right. Because you've got the original series, which which I love. Uh, the Next Generation, which writing the, the, the my second book, which is mostly about the Next Generation right. and, and, the, and the film, uh, really gave me a much greater appreciation for that series. And, and many of those other Star Trek series, or some of those other Star Trek series at least, uh, I also like a lot. Sure. So I think I think there's more quality yeah. stuff and, in the Star Trek world than the Star Trek. I think George Lucas, and I, I mean, he, he did it for his reasons, so it's not really second-guessing, it's just me being a fan. Mm -hmm. With um, Return of the Jedi, he made a conscious effort to make the movies for a younger audience. Right. And Return of the Jedi finished that first trilogy, so it had suffered in some ways from that decision. Absolutely, yeah. But... All subsequent Star Wars universe products, until the most recent, mm -hmm. were mired by that decision because it really became almost like, I'm exaggerating a little, the Lost in Space. Mm -hmm. A decision was made to make it a kid's show, yep, and then it became a kid's show. Pretty much. Whereas the first two Star Wars movies had some like mythic gravitas to them. Whereas Star Trek, even if there's a, you know some episodes are better than others or some movies are better than others, Never like turned away from being about something substantive. Even the Star Trek Saturday morning cartoon, cartoon. Yeah. had a bit more, you know, <laughs> going on upstairs than than uh, than most Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, it still maintained the, uh, some of that kind of uh, intellectual capacity. I watched it with friends when the Next Generation premiered. We mm -hmm. had like a nerd watching party mm -hmm. at that time. I did not particularly enjoy it. Again, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I hated it, but I can tell you where I thought the flaw was, that it was too much like the original. Hmm. Just with that superficial observation in mind, my favorite Star, Star Trek universe spin-off show mm -hmm. is Deep Space Nine. Deep, I, Deep Space Nine, I think, is the most consistently well-written of the Star Trek series. Right. It has some other... Flaws. Sure, and I think the uh, first season is also like uneven as they're figuring out. Well, that yeah, doing, that's that's yeah. like I said, that's pretty much every Star <laughs> Trek series. I also think that there was the cast was a little uneven. They didn't mm -hmm. have as strong a cast on that show as they did on either the original series right. or Next Gen, right. and and I think that just the nature of that series, the concept of mm -hmm. you know it being on a space station, left them in a situation where they're kind of passive. Things were always happening around them, them or yeah. to them. They weren't yeah. actually going out and initiating things right. very much, which, you know, created some problems. The thing I love about Star Trek uh, uh, Deep Space Nine, though, mm -hmm. is there was never a situation where they go into a planet mm -hmm. and they do something and then, and then uh, <laughs> you know, warp out and never have to deal with the consequences right. of it. Anything that happened on Deep Space Nine... Yep. came back around and bit him in the ass later. <laughs> One yeah. way or another, it was going to come back. It was probably going to be a problem. Well, I want to make sure I ask you at least two more questions, Mark, mm -hmm. uh, before we run out of time. And uh, one of them is just that even though it was the second seasons of Discovery and Orville, which inspired us all to get together, there has been other Star Trek news. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be a new Jean-Luc Picard spinoff show? What do you know about that? 
I know very little about that because they have released very little about that. Right. I am curious, okay. to say the least, about what they're going to do with it. And I, that's about yeah, all I other, can tell you. I don't have any inside dope okay, on that. Yeah. Sorry, I wish other I did. Other than that something's coming, yeah. they really have, and that Patrick Stewart's involved. Yep. There's really no other information has been released. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if it's a separate show or is he going to somehow, well, I don't know. I don't, right. know, I don't, know, yeah. I don't know how they're going to play this. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've... They haven't mentioned platforms. Correct. So I don't know if it's going to be like a... Oh, no, I assume it's going to be, I assume it's going to be something else for the for the app, for the CPS, okay. Uh, okay. whatever they call it, app, yeah, so... Yeah. Okay. You know, honestly, what I wish they would do, and, and they could certainly use use Patrick Stewart for this, is I would like to see them do what they did with Next Generation. I, I Rather than doing all these prequels, I would like to see a sequel. I'd like to see the, sort of the next Next Generation. Sure. Give me a new crew on a new ship going out, you know, a yeah. hundred years later than the end that we saw of, uh, right. you know, uh, the the last uh, Next Generation movie. You yes. know, push it forward. Yeah. You know, and, and see what... You know, with, right. and and do that, and you could have cameos right. by whoever you wanted from the original, or from next generation, or whatever. And uh, was there anything else about Discovery or Orville you wanted to get down on the record? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I, mean, I covered most <laughs> of that. I mean, it's really to me, to me, they're fascinating because they're 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 in they're so dissimilar, but they're like I said, neither of them are perfect. But they both have major kind of problems, but they both have interesting elements and. Sure. Yeah, they're, it's, they're really interesting to watch together right. uh, and compare. And, and of course, I'm just a total you know, critic, nerd, geek yeah. guy, so maybe <laughs> nobody else will, will think, oh, both these shows suck. What are you watching these things for? Right. But, uh, but, but I do find things to like in both of them. And, and, um, and like I said, there's several episodes of The Orville I thought were actually you know, pretty entertaining. Just yeah. taken, you know, and honestly, it worked better for me if I th- don't think of them necessarily as Star Trek, although most people seem to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as I mean, you mentioned the cinematography. They have some of the same directors. Jonathan Frakes has done an ep- directed an episode, and it's it's almost like when they, some directors do a comic book movie and they study like the pains of the original comic book or graphic novel. You feel like the people making the Orville have carefully watched episodes of Star Trek and said, "I want this shot." I want this camera angle. Well, in I some cases, they've also borrowed plots. Okay. <laughs> but we won't go there. There's whole episodes that are like, oh, I've seen this before. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to be doing it for us. Uh, Dan Brown, any last words? Live long and prosper. Let me teach you this, Dan. Dan Tuing. Uh, Mark, tell Dan the origin of the Spock hand gesture. Uh, this was... Uh, and it was a, and along with a lot of this of the Spock kind of mythos stuff, like the Vulcan neck pinch and things like that, it was a sort of ad lib thing that that uh, was added by Nimoy. Hmm. And this apparently, when it's not like this, when it's like I'm, it's, you can't see this on the radio, but I'm, it's like thumb in as opposed to thumb out. Uh, this is apparently, and I'm not Jewish, so I can't yeah. tell you this exactly, but there's a, a point in the Jewish uh, worship ceremony where the rabbi blesses the congregation, and it's done right. with hmm. the fingers spread apart like that. And uh, some, of course, some yeah. we're going to get letters from uh, some uh, Jewish, well, well, uh, oh, some of our Jewish friends telling me I'm screwing this all up. Well, but that's I, essentially my understanding yeah, of it. As, as, as the uh, representative Jewish person, oh, I'm there you go. Uh, sir. I have an expert you know in the room. Yes, you are uh, basically correct. Yes, it's like a, a Jewish spiritual hand signals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of which uh, Nimoy was not only Jewish, but he was sort of associated with like a very religious variation mm-hmm. right. of Judaism. So he was very. Uh, well versed in yep. the sort of like arcane knowledge, but uh, what he didn't know, Dan, was that uh, there's the inverse 
to live long and prosper. That's us. Die soon in pain. <laughs> really? Yeah. I invented that. That's oh, what okay. I, I, was like, I was like, man, you Jews are dark. <laughs> no, this is a reverse that. I never heard about that, that no. version of Temple. No. <laughs> All right. So now we've educated Dan, which seems to be the running theme of this podcast. Yes. Shatner, yeah, but I, I've always found it, uh, well, yeah. maybe I've always found it interesting, might be, uh, sure. might be overstating it, but... Uh, it's it's always been uh, um, it's always kind of amused me that that William Shatner, who mm-hmm. has for especially early in his career was very much the sort of played the all American boy type characters, yeah. uh, was uh, both Canadian and Jewish, yes. which you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> assume based on what he looked like. <laughs> no, and he was also a, a respectably classically trained actor who did like right. Shaw and Shakespeare as a young actor. Yep. So he gets all of this occasionally teased for his acting style, but he's actually like a classically trained actor. I actually love Shatner's acting. That's a whole other conversation we could have. (laughs) All right. uh, That's previewing our future episode on (laughs) our love of Shatner's acting with Mark Clark. And singing, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. universe. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. Comedy Nerd Show.